Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... I got the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? Uh-oh, hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Happy hour, friends. Wow, we have a show for you today. I I feel like I say that every time I come to you, but I just need you to know, we have really great guests this spring semester, whatever you want to call this. Every time I get off of an interview with someone, I just smile and say, I'm so proud of this show. I I love my job. So as a listener, you are in for a treat um, today. So first of all, happy Friday, March 4th. I'll be at If Gathering this weekend. Who's going to be there? Come say hi. Also, Monday is my dad's birthday. Happy birthday, dad. Also, I want to let you know is that next Wednesday, I will be the finale, the last guest on Annie F. Downs That Sounds Fun Tour. We're going to be in Denver, Colorado. Go to AnnieFDowns.com slash events. I don't know. Maybe there's some tickets. Come see us. I would love to see you in Denver. But today on the show, like I told you, it's really great. My friend Catherine McNeil is on the show. She released a book in February called Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. And I I read this book and I told her in the show, you'll hear me say it again, that I really feel like her book could be summed up like this. Here's what Jesus said about loving your neighbors. Now go do it. And the reason I love this book, it's not full of shame. It's very practical. It's very encouraging. It's very convicting. Uh, And the conversation we have today, I hope, is all of those things as well. We talk practically about what that looks like. We talk about loving your neighbor. We also talk about hard conversations because you know I'm not afraid of hard conversations. And you as a listener are not afraid of hard conversations either. We talk about immigration and we talk about race. And it is just a really great, fulfilling conversation today. If you're interested, get the book wherever you find books. And if you want to come see me in Denver next week, I'd love to see you. Go to AnnieFDowns.com slash events. All right, y'all. Here's my conversation with Catherine McNeil. Hey, Catherine. Welcome to the happy hour. Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Well, this is fun. This is our second time to be together. We met on a trip to El Paso and Juarez. Um, you came along. My friend Bree invited you. And we spent a couple days together. Back in the fall, and it was so great. We had adventures, that's for sure. We did have adventures. Was that your first time to the border? I can't remember. Uh, With Brie and Women of Welcome? Okay. Yeah, that was my first time doing that trip. Okay. Well, everyone always asks afterwards, like, I want to be a part of that. I want to do this. And so I just want to say, Women of Welcome, that those are your people. You need to get connected with them, and they're doing this, and they would be happy. Happy to have you people join them. 100%. Do it. One, 100%. Okay, well, welcome to the happy hour. Introduce yourself to everybody. Okay, sounds good. Well, my name is Catherine McNeil. I live in the Chicagoland area, which means that I feel like I live in Chicago, but I'm, it's an hour away. So Chicago, oh, wow. Chicago doesn't feel like I live in okay. Chicago. So 
That's why we say Chicagoland. Um, <laughs> uh, my husband and three kids who are leaning towards teenagers, a 15-year-old, 13-year-old, and a 10-year-old. And uh, it's pretty cold here where we are. So hoping for spring soon. Listen, I visited Chicagoland in the fall. And you it was did. cold already. I mean, it was cold. We it's had a cold. hard time getting around. It's cold for a while. We're, yeah. we're done. We're ready to be done. <laughs> <laughs> but are you done? Like, we, this is coming out we are not done. March. When do you, when are you done? <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's different every year. By now, by March, we're kind of getting hopeful that we're not going to really get cold. But <laughs> I think, you know, we got to wait for May to really be able to soak in the sun. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm sorry about that. But, you know. Here we are in Texas. We don't know what the weather's going to be like every day. But I'm so glad you're here because you wrote a book. It came out in early February called Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. And um, the word fear, Catherine, Mm -hmm. is, it's a big word these days. And after reading your book, I realized this is no new phenomenon. Like this, using fear as a tactic for all kinds of things has been around forever. But we've talked about fear even recently on The Happy Hour. My friend Julia Newbell was here recently and we talked about Mm -hmm. um, fear there. And I just want to ask you, what led in your personal life um, to write a book for all of us to read, pushing us towards really, I mean... (laughs) If I could sum up your book, it's like this. Here's what Jesus said. Let's actually follow it. There you go. (laughs) Oh, I love that summary, Jamie. Let's just put that on the, let's put that on all the marketing stuff. This is what Jesus said. Let's, let's follow it. At least let's talk about it. You know, Um, know, that's so good. And, and I, I want to tell you, I really did feel that when I, I really did with every page, I was like, well, this is what Catherine's saying. This is what Jesus said. How does it look like? It was convicting. I was convicted as I read your book. So tell me what led you to yeah. write this book. You know, I was just reflecting this morning, remembering when I signed the book contract for this book that I had pitched and already really wrestled with. And, you know, uh, I had a moment with myself where I'm like, you know, if I'm going to actually write about following Jesus rather than following fear, that's going to do something to me. You know, do I, I really had a moment. Do I want to face my fears? Do I really want to spend two or three years really, you know, putting my money where my mouth is about fear? And I didn't, I don't, do you know what I'm saying? Like, I would love to go on ignoring my fear. Um, yeah. Staying a little safer, staying a little more comfortable. Mm-hmm. And that is what has happened. I have had to talk about all my deepest fears. Uh, I have had to wrestle with how my brokenness is keeping me from seeing Jesus and what Jesus is asking me to do in the world. Um, but there's, that's an invitation too, you know, um, The reason I decided to do this crazy thing and really talk about fear and really talk about what Jesus teaches is I just on a daily basis, I'm seeing this discrepancy, this gap between how we're living, how we're talking, even among Christians, even how Christians talk and the way Jesus talks, the way Jesus acts, what Jesus is inviting us to and calling us into. Um, We hear over and over again in scripture that there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And it's not 
a naive idea at all. Jesus obviously was publicly murdered. You know, Jesus knew that evil was real, that there was plenty for us to be afraid of. But there's this story of active love that God has initiated that we can't do anything to earn or lose. And inside of this kingdom of love, we can live in such a way that these dangers and our fears don't have to hold us anymore. And we can bring God's love to ourselves, to our families, to our neighbors, even to strangers, even to enemies. And Jesus said his people would live that way. He said his people would be known. Their reputation would be of that. And I'm, I'm, I'm super intrigued by that. I want to be a part of that. Yeah, yeah. It's super um, inviting and scary. I want to I want to start at the beginning with the word fear. You know, your whole book is fearing bravely, and fear is a real thing. And you addressed that in the beginning, like fear is actually something that is helpful for us in many situations. You know, I remember yeah. I talked to Sean Johnson a couple of weeks ago about anxiety, and he said something that was so profound to me when he said anxiety is this God given gift that Satan has corrupted. Yes, ma'am. and literally it was like a like a an aha moment that I was like I have never thought about it like that, and I think fear is like that as well. It's like yes. we need this fear in us to keep us safe. Um, And so we've set the stage there, but sometimes that fear that is in us to keep us safe sometimes can be used to kind of lead us towards hate. Yeah. Which is hard, but it makes me think of this generational sin that maybe we've even seen in our own particular country Mm -hmm. um, around racism. So if we Mm -hmm. start there with that fear of others and then it leads to hate and I think in the current culture that we live in a lot of people are using fear Mm -hmm. to push people into believing them versus something else so can we talk about that for a second and how you've seen that happening in our culture let's absolutely do that that's the conversation I think we need to be having you know I talk about fear as a frenemy right um because you're right we if I'm not afraid to touch the hot stove, if my kids don't realize they shouldn't run into traffic, you know, life ends quickly. (laughs) Life will be short. Fear is absolutely a gift from God, our ability to say, you know, there is danger and I need to respond accordingly. But since the dawn of time and definitely today in our time and place, people who hold power or want power exploit our fears for their own benefit. And I don't think that we do a whole lot of self-reflection. You know, why mm. Why are we afraid? What is our fear forming us into? And, you know, you went to hate, and I think you're right, but I think most of us aren't going to be like, yeah, because of my fears, I've become mm-hmm. a hateful person. Right. But I, I think we have been driven first to neglect. Mm. And there are so many people in my neighborhood, so many people in in our country, in our world, that I've been warned about so profoundly that I may not hate them, but I'm not really going to invest a lot of time or effort into understanding who they are, into hearing their story. Um, Maybe it's none of my business, you know? And so I think we do go to hate, but I think maybe we can connect a little bit more with the idea of neglect. That's good, Catherine. Jesus is calling us to engage to bring God's love um, 
tangibly water for those who are thirsty food mm. for those who are hungry um, shelter for those who are traveling a community for those who are lonely and we're like yeah yeah uh i wish you well <laughs> i don't mm. but that's too dangerous and so we move to neglect it's so good. It's so good. And I want to tell all the listeners, um, if you're listening to this and enjoying this conversation, next Friday, Dominique um, Gilliard's on the show Ooh. and we talk about, it's so good. We talk about kind of leveraging that privilege for the gospel. And you can't leverage your privilege for the gospel if you're neglecting, if you're fearful, if you're hateful. So these these conversations are just hand in hand so good. Now, because in your book, you do a really great job of going neighbors, strangers, enemies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to start here and we'll see how far we get because I want to start here because you and I met while heading down to the um, Texas-Mexico border. And we went with Women of Welcome. Tell us what they do real quick. Well, they're helping evangelical women um, put some teeth, I think, to their compassion to know what does the Bible say about compassion to others, specifically strangers in need of welcome? And how can I be a part of that? You did it so well. There you Woo. go. Okay. So because you and I met there, I want to talk about uh, a part in your book. Let me find what chapter this chapter seven, stranger things. And let's talk about immigrants and yeah. um, refugees. And that is a big talking point. Every time there's an election in our country, Uh, It's a big talking point here in Texas where I live because we're right on the border of Mexico. And it's been a big topic for the past couple of years. You write this in your book. You said, um, in reality, many Christians in the U.S. are more likely to fear strangers than love them. In a recent study reported that over 50% of white evangelical Christians considered immigrants a threat to their values and security, a far higher percentage than any other religious affiliation, and nearly 20 points higher than the population at whole. Um, When asked to describe their beliefs about immigrants, nearly half of all evangelicals saw recent immigrants as an undesirable drain on economic resources. And you go on and on. I mean, it's it's sobering uh, what you the statistics that you tell. Mm -hmm. And you say here, you said, I wonder if we asked Jesus how to gain eternal life, what parable would he tell us today? Because you had told the parable uh, before that about the man asking how to get into heaven. Yeah. And so I think I would just love to have a conversation with you about. I mean, this feels like a series. <laughs> go to Women of Welcome, guys. That's what we're telling you to go. But I think I would like to have a conversation of so many of us have actually been um, pushed into believing this fear um, mm-hmm. rhetoric about, quote unquote, others and specifically mm-hmm. others that are coming to our country from vulnerable situations. Can you talk about, A, why we don't have to have that fear mm-hmm. and B, how we can switch that fear into compassion? Oh, man. I wish I had three easy steps for you. Right. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I think we do need to change the conversation. And just the way you started this podcast, you said that this book, Fearing Bravely, is about what Jesus said and if we should actually do it. You know, the thing is, is if you turn on the radio or the television, you're going to hear warnings um, and dehumanizing language about immigrants and migrants every 30 seconds. Um, But you know who else talks a lot about travelers and immigrants and migrants is the Bible. And it's almost as frequent. And I cite a lot of passages in my book, but um, what we're being warned about in the Bible is how desperately important it is to us that we provide care and welcome that God's heart is really insistent on um, those of us who are safe and secure providing shelter and welcome to those who are 
who are fleeing danger, who are seeking shelter, um, those who are far from home and are therefore more vulnerable um, throughout the law, the history books, the prophets, um, through the gospel, through the epistles, it comes up again and again and again. And I think we've been trained not to see it because we have been kind of taught uh, a Christianity that has built a fence around ourselves and we're going to really protect we're going to really protect what's inside the fence. But all throughout the Bible, Jesus is saying, go outside, go find the people who are hungry, go find the people who are sad or hurting or afraid and, and bring them in, bring them my love, um, care sacrificially for them. Uh, we are absolutely being discipled to fear strangers. Um, and we are not being discipled to see strangers as brothers and sisters uh, of ours in humanity, but also often in Christ. And we are not being discipled to see as Christians, as followers of Jesus, as people who believe in God, what is our responsibility? Not necessarily, you know, not always what is my responsibility today to do, because I can't solve these global problems, but what is our responsibility in how we talk about it? What is our responsibility in the conversations that we're having? Because we use so much dehumanizing language that just further fuels our fears and, and, and puts more and more layers between us and the people that Jesus is present with us and the people that God is calling us to actively love. I'll give you guys a tangible example of that. Um, I was uh, at a, a gathering, doesn't matter where or when or who I was with. And um, I met a random new person, like introduced myself to her and mm. she goes, oh my gosh, my, my, my mom is calling me and I got to get back to her because there's all these illegals that came to their town and she's so scared and I, I just need to go check on her. Mm -hmm. And I my whole body just kind of froze because again, that is a very dehumanizing language that mm -hmm. she was using. Uh, she was also very fearful of someone she had never met mm -hmm. and um, that was being projected. And I, I, I kicked myself a thousand times after for not saying anything because in my heart, what I said yeah. was, Oh, I bet they're not scary. I bet they're pretty scared. You know, that's what, that's what I thought in my head. You know, when you replay a situation a thousand times, like this is what I would have said, would have said, but it's that kind of story of playing into that dehumanizing, fearful language. Mm -hmm. that That's one small step that you can do something. Like, you know, yeah. like you said, we can't go s solve all the global crisis. But we can change the way we speak yes. about people and the way that Jesus spoke about people. And I think it goes back to what you said earlier was that fear leads to neglect. It, yes. And it's just like this idea of it doesn't matter to me. And we've seen that happen, I think, a lot in our churches recently with race relations. You know, there was a spotlight in 2020 on uh, so on racial injustice in America. And like rightly so, a lot of churches were like, hey, I think we should talk about this. Like this is important. And we saw a lot of churches and a lot of pastors say, I've got some people applauding me I for do. talking about this. And some people are saying, we just need to get back to the gospel. What are we doing here? And you, you address it that is. in your book as well. And I think that is a part of not loving our neighbor well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I too am hearing all of these different conversations and these different statements. And it strikes me so much how, 
how careful we are to protect those with power and influence in our language. You know, we don't want to be offensive to the people that we already really like and that we already feel approval from. And we don't realize that when we're choosing to not talk about race or choosing to not talk about injustice, we are, we, because we don't want to be offensive, we are offending the people we're already hurting. We're offending the people who are already experiencing silenced, being silenced, um, being oppressed. And uh, again, we just, I think we need to take a look at who was Jesus hanging out with? Where was Jesus uh, offering relief and healing? Um, and who was Jesus confronting? And part of the reason why I included enemies in this book, um, we need to love even our enemies, is um, partially because I think it keeps us from having a loophole. You know, you know. Um, I think there's probably people listening here who could say, well, Catherine and Jamie, like here's some uh, counter evidence. There is danger, there's real danger and we can't just be stupid. And, and that's some, sometimes that's true. Um, but even if someone is an enemy, um, our job is still to love. That's what Jesus said and that's what Jesus did. And that's going to take discernment and it's going to take wrestling and community. But Jesus even said to love our enemies. And part of why I think that's so urgent for us is that we have been so drenched in fear and in warnings about others that we become the enemy. I don't think we realize it. I think we still most of the time believe that we're the good guys who are fighting for goodness but if we were to take the time to look from the perspective of someone else, whether it's in the issue of immigration or race, it's so easy for us to realize we're the ones doing the damage. We're the ones that are causing harm out of our hatred or our neglect or our fear um, without even knowing it. And, you know, just like you were saying, if we're constantly being warned that, a certain group of people, a certain race, a certain economic status, a certain political party, a certain religion is coming to get us. We're gonna we're gonna at, go on the attack, or at least go on the neglect, and and then we are the enemies. Mm, it becomes this yeah. us versus them um, scenario, which is a really um, unhealthy place to live and and to be. You know, talking about fear, and you talked earlier, I mean, you just mentioned that that there might be some legitimate yes. fear in walking mm -hmm. into places that are uncomfortable or even with our quote-unquote enemies. And there's discernment that is needed there. You, you mentioned in here, you say Jesus followers were afraid because we don't see like Jesus show up in their life and then bam, they never struggled with fear again. We do see Jesus followers were afraid, but they didn't stay yeah. afraid. And I think that is something that... Um, is really encouragement mm -hmm. to us as Christ followers. Although we're not following him in his footsteps right now in the physical body like his disciples were, which sometimes we're like, how are they afraid? They were <laughs> with God. And I'm like, oh, they're yep. just like us. Like we have God's spirit. Uh, so talk a little bit about how we don't have to stay afraid. Yeah, you know, one of my first chapters, I call it unsafe and unafraid, because I want to be really honest about this. Uh, this is not like a Pollyannish, you know, Hallmark Christmas movie scenario where everybody's going to live happily ever after. Um, I take a hard look at the world that Jesus was living in, which was terrifying. I got to tell you, I learned things I didn't want to know. Um, 
And Jesus' followers, if you read through the if you read through the New Testament, were pretty often terrified out of their minds and totally missing the point. Um, even up to the moment that Jesus was killed, they were running away. Uh, when he was resurrected, they were hiding in a room. And of course they were. The all-powerful empire had just killed their teacher. Of course they were terrified out of their minds. Uh, who could be in a more dangerous position? But when Jesus was resurrected, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he was so entirely putting his smile, his stamp, his name on God's Jesus' vision of love and a kingdom where we are risking love for our neighbors and even our strangers and even enemies, that they realized there was nothing left to fear because God had conquered death. God had torn down every wall and they were set free in the power of the spirit to do crazy things, dangerous things that often did not lead to them living happily ever after. But God's kingdom was spreading throughout the world. And that suddenly meant so much more than them living happily ever after. I want to catch that kingdom vision. We don't have to follow Jesus, but we want to. And yeah. you guys, in January of 2024, I made a commitment to myself. I wanted to get stronger, which meant I needed to get in the gym, which means I needed to move my body in different ways. You guys know I love to walk. Well, it's spring, and spring is the best time for us to start a new workout routine. It's our yearly collective warm-up, and Peloton is here for everyone's yearly warm-up. This is the best time to get into a good rhythm, to tap into your power, and build towards your summer you. I love my Peloton. It accommodates to my schedule with a variety of class links to choose from. I can choose a 30-minute class. I can choose a 45-minute class. If you only have five minutes, there's literally a class to get you moving your body in five minutes. Peloton has a range of class types fit for every goal and every mood. There are classes if you want to hear country music, if you want to hear uh, rock, if you want to go back to the 80s. If you can't run, take a walking class. Need some grounding? Try yoga. If you want to level up, go for their Pilates or HIIT workouts. Here's what I love is that you can move at your own pace. And that is what I'm learning that my body needs right now. It needs to move at its own pace. Peloton makes the process easier with personalized recommendations and guided programs that take all the guesswork out of working out. You guys, we think about so many things during the day. Let's take the guesswork out. Let's jump right in and let's keep our fitness journey fresh every single day. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. I personally love a good 45-minute hip-hop class. It gets me moving. It gets me excited. It's my favorite genre of music, just ask my kids. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. That's OnePeloton.com. What if we took him seriously? This this book, this concept that you're writing to, I, I I wonder if the global church would need this book, mm. is my question. Mm -hmm. And and I just was thinking like one thing that I love so much about hearing from friends who travel and do ministry around the world is they constantly remind me the church is it's on fire. It is mm -hmm. spreading faster mm -hmm. in in countries that 
before have not even allowed Christianity. And it is spreading. The gospel will go to the ends of the earth. Like Jesus is moving. The spirit is moving. This will happen. And so as I'm sitting here talking to you, I'm like, are there Christians in Iran Mm. who would hear our conversation and think they're really talking about this? You know what I, I mean? Do. Like that's convicting to mm-hmm. me. It's very convicting to me is that they would say, wait, you have to talk to Christians about loving their neighbor. Like you have to talk to Christians about telling people about Jesus because like I could die. Yeah. And and what what are you going to lose? Yeah. Nothing. We will lose nothing in America. I mean, Grant, that's that's I don't mean to be flippant about that because it's just not compared right. to I hear you. global global church. I just had that moment, that thought, yeah. and it's kind of just hitting me in between the eyes of this conversation is so needed here for me. I'm I'm not pointing fingers here. I need this conversation. I'm grateful for you, Catherine, for, for having this and writing this book, but it's just like, man, the rest of the world is not having these questions. Right. You know, I, I'm not pointing fingers either, to be honest. Like I said, I'm wrestling with all this. Um, but one of the studies that also really hit me between the eyes was that Americans represent ourselves as far more afraid than most most people anywhere in the world, including countries that are going through war and famine and genocide. We, Jamie, you and me, people like us who are just sitting in our rooms, you know, on, on a microphone right now, we report being more afraid of the future and of each other than most people around the world. And that just says to me, Uh, we have lost the voice of Jesus saying, don't be afraid, little flock. Uh, My love is greater than all your fears. Um, What do they know that we have forgotten? Um, And I think some of it does come down to hospitality. We are very consumed with ourselves, our own little houses, our own little cars. uh, And we don't really have a sense for the wider community that we're all kind of in this together and we're all going to take care of each other come hell or high water. And that's something that most of the rest of the world does better than we do. And I think that's where taking care of our neighbors and strangers comes in. You know, uh, we we've lost sight of how to do that on even even kind of a casual, casual level. And most of the world is better yeah. And we need to learn. We need to learn. That's so good. Um, Jenny Allen, who also was a guest just a couple of weeks ago, talked about the, that kind of thing in her book, Find Your People, about how like mm-hmm. in past cultures, people were just, that's who you lived with. That's what you did. You yeah. cared for everybody in your little surrounding area. And we've lost that. You talk about that a lot in the beginning of this book, other than, you know, the things we've tackled, because I enjoy tackling hard conversations, not because I have them figured out, but because God keeps moving in my heart about yeah. immigration and race and those type of things. But you Same. also, <laughs> yes. Um, but you also talk about something that would feel a lot more tangible to a lot of people listening of just like mm-hmm. your literal neighbor. Like you're literally the people that you see dropping your kids off to school, the people in the houses next to you. And you told this example, and this would be my story if this happened, is um, my neighborhood, we're all kind of spread out, so I can't see any houses. And so there is this idea of kind of just living this solo life. You said Mm -hmm. that uh, once there was a fire on your street, and Mm -hmm. so all the neighbors Mm -hmm. gathered, and you're meeting each other, like for the first time, as you're watching this fire take a hold of a house in the middle of the night. And so I think even that's encouraging for listeners to have a conversation about like, what does it even look like to really risk love for those people that you see every single day, potentially? Yeah, yeah, it, it was it was a crazy night. 
um, everyone, everyone was fine. So it's, I'm <laughs> good, not like your story. I mean, tell, it all ended up. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Telling an anecdote about somebody's tragedy, but there was a house on fire down the street and, you know, dozens, maybe a hundred of us all congregated, you know, trying to figure out what was going on, checking Facebook, texting people, but we didn't know each other. And, and we were, we were like, oh yeah, I live in that house right there. And oh yeah, my kids go to that school. And oh yeah, I go to this church. And we realized we have so much in common and we live, Jamie, like two or three houses down from each other, but we had never met. And that just, it, it just is, it's fascinating to me because I don't think humankind has lived that way in the past. And it, uh, and I say in the book, you know, this is, this is our way of life. This is who we are. Let's just be honest about it. We don't need to feel ashamed of it, but we're going to kind of be starting off on the wrong foot when it comes to even beginning to follow Jesus invitation to love our neighbors the way we love ourselves, because we don't even know our neighbors. Mm. At least I don't. Yeah. Some people are better at this than I am. I'm oh, sure. um, my friend Jamie Nato, like they have neighborhood parties and they know Ooh. each other. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, you talk in here about messy Mondays. And so I yeah. think this is like, if someone's like, what can I do? So everybody just start here. Tell us what messy Monday is. Okay, so a couple of neighbors and my family decided that we were going to start Messy Monday. And what that is, is it's kind of a, I mean, it's fun, you know, but we consider it a spiritual practice of eating together. And what makes it awesome is that we get together and we eat every Monday night. Um, We had to take a long break for the pandemic, you know, but we're trying to get back into the swing of it. Um, But the tricky thing is, is nobody is allowed to clean their house. You're not allowed to like plan out a five course dinner. It's just, you come as you are. We take turns having it at different people's houses and we're just together. The point is, is not that we've, you know, stressed ourselves out or spent a lot of money or are showing off how cool we are at this kind of thing. The point is just that we are gathering together to be in each other's lives and eat together. Um, and that that's a first step, you know, and it doesn't have to be every Monday. Um, but you know, have, have some way of gathering the people in your neighborhood or your community together and say, you know, we need each other. Totally. Uh, you guys, if you're listening, I just want to tell you, this is a really great book to um, kind of push you into conversations and thinking about what does it actually look like to live the life that Jesus asked us to live by loving our neighbor as ourself. And um, it's it's a hard book and it's a hard thing to take in because it's convicting, but not in a shameful way in a like, man, I want to follow Jesus like with everything. And so what does that look mm-hmm. like? And you do a really great job of like giving readers opportunity to kind of dive in and think through different things and have conversations and practice and so it's a very tangible book is what i'm trying to say so if you're like i want to change some things this book is a great book Catherine, i want to know from you what are you loving and what are you reading these days oh what am i loving uh my daughter made me hot cocoa bombs what is this? And how old is your daughter that's making things? My daughter is 10. Okay. And she is amazing. Okay. And I love chocolate and Ooh. I love coffee. And so these hot cocoa bombs, it's like a bath bomb. You know, you put it in your bath and it makes bubbles everywhere, yeah. except you put it in your coffee and it turns it into like a mocha because Ooh. it's a chocolate ball full of cocoa powder and marshmallows. And does she have she like a recipe or she's just coming up with me. this? Uh, she probably followed a recipe, but 
What a she sweet probably, daughter. I know. So I am loving my hot cocoa bombs because like we already mentioned, it's freezing here. Yes. Um, what am I reading? I am reading Persuasion by Jane Austen. Mm. I'm kicking it old school here for a little while. You know, I am going to make a very embarrassing confession. <gasps> Okay. I don't think I've ever read anything by Jane Austen. Karen's Fire <laughs> would just kill me right now. Uh, I don't think I've read anything by Jane Austen. Well, you know, she wrote a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> she has a lot of great works that a lot of people love. I want to yeah. tell you, are you a Jane Austen fan? You know, I think I. it's been persuasion. It's This is the first time when I've read in at least a decade. Okay. Um. The, the language is so different. The world is so different. Uh, it's kind of hard to to follow. But if you do pay attention, and Karen Swallow Pryor, I'm sure, could help us with this, you see that there's a lot of kind of satire. She's not just telling a romantic story. She is kind of making a social statement. Okay. And when you can see that, then then the books become worth reading. I think I need to like make a kind of commitment to jump in and read maybe a Jane Austen book this summer. If I were, where should I start? Ooh, you know, you can, I think the two most popular ones are Sense and Sensibility and Pride and Prejudice. And you could watch one of the movies. I know, right? It's like a so, little reward. Yeah. Um, I do want to tell you, you may already know this. Do you know that um, Karen Swallow Prow has a new podcast called Jane and Jesus? <gasps> You know, I had heard that, but I haven't listened. Yes. So it looks like there's about, um, I don't know, one, two, three, four, five episodes out while we're recording this. So isn't that great? If we got well, any Jane Austen I, fans out there. I know what I'm doing the rest of my morning. Right? <laughs> I know. Um, okay. So you're reading that. Are you watch, Are you yes. a TV watcher? Do you love watching TV? Uh, occasionally. Okay. Anything you're uh, loving? If I find a good show, I will binge watch it. You know, I just finished the last season of The Expanse, which I guess means I'm also kind of a geek. I'd have never heard of this. It's, yeah, it's kind of a science fiction okay. se series. So I, like I said, I I'm like outing myself here. <laughs> um, I don't like a lot of sci-fi, but The Expanse I really enjoyed. Okay. So, but it's over now. It just ended mm. forever. Did you happen so. to watch Cheer? You know... I didn't. Okay. But I did listen. just listen to you talking to Trilla about <laughs> I listen, I have asked every single guest in the past two weeks <laughs> if they have watched the show because I am in knee deep. No, I am neck deep in this show okay. and I am just <laughs> I have so many thoughts. Lindsay and I have talked about this so much we have so many thoughts and so maybe I, this is what I think I'm going to do I think I'm just going to have to do like a special episode where I find a friend who also is neck deep in cheer and we're going to have to do like a, a a special edition cheer episode it's all that's all I'm thinking is I have thoughts we need to talk about this so sorry well, you clearly do need to how about you have a whole lot of us watch it and then you can do like a panel oh and we can all sort of unpack it in like a group therapy session it, it is a group therapy needed session is what <laughs> okay. I'm gonna say about that I started so I binged it season one which I think this came out early pandemic is what people are telling me so I'm real behind okay but then I started watching season two and everyone says so if you haven't watched 
watched it, I will reiterate what everyone says is that season one is fun and exciting and season two is rough, like oh. anxious and hard and all the things. Uh, but now I have my husband and my daughter watching it. So listen, I told you I jumped into the water and I cannot get out. I'm, I'm drowning in the cheer pool. <laughs> Well, is this a cry for help, Jamie? I think it is. <laughs> oh, man. Catherine, um, honestly, it was a joy to meet you on our trip this last fall. Yeah. And I'm really proud of this book that you uh, put out, Fearing Bravely, Risking Love for Our Neighbors, Strangers, and Enemies. Um, also, a really cool cover. I'm a fan of covers, so I really like it. Uh, you guys, check this it. book out. Um, and Catherine has some really great things. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you for having me, Jamie. You guys, I love that conversation, and I hope that it has encouraged you just to even have more conversations like this and think deeply about this. I hope that you also heard Catherine and I's heart is that neither one of us were like, here's what you guys need to be doing. I was fully convicted in reading this book, and I love putting things like this in front of me all the time because it keeps me tethered. It keeps me close to the heart of Jesus and reminds me of of what he told his disciples in and what he told us. I hope you were encouraged by it. Guys, if you missed the show on Wednesday, go back and listen. It's my husband and I. We're celebrating Compliments birthday. That's the book that we wrote together last year. And we have a great conversation. And usually when we're together, it goes off the rails. So there's always that. And then next Wednesday, my friend Nicole Zazowski is here. And we had a beautiful conversation about the discipline of celebration. And if you've never thought about it before, you're going to love the show. We talk about joy. Really, 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 really good. Thank you so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to give you, and every opportunity we get to point all of us to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would really appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is the number one way that people find out about our show. It's because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that will make us think, they'll make us laugh, and they'll always point us back to Jesus. And come find me other places on the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm over there at Jamie Ivy. And if you've never visited my YouTube page, you're going to want to go there. Have you ever listened to a show and wondered, I wonder what they look like? Well, go find us over there. It's jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics are by Amaya Savoy Easton. The show is edited by Angie Elkins. And I'm your host every week, Jamie Ivey. And goodness gracious, I love being here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend. 